you know, going back to when we were children, I think that most of us in this courtroom thought that justice came into being automatically, that virtue was its own reward, that, that good would triumph over evil. But as we get older, we know this just isn't true. Individual human beings have to create justice, and this is not easy. Because the truth often poses a threat to power, and one often has to fight power at great risk to themselves. One guy, one gal, one actor, and one year. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Kevin, Kevin Costner Project. Project. hours and eight, eight minutes. minutes. Evening, Greg. Good evening, Kate. <laughs> I like it when I catch you unawares. You do that quite often. Feels more regular, more natural. More regular? <laughs> I don't know what the hell I said that for. Anyway, welcome back to the podcast. Yes. We had quite an intense experience this week. The movie... Well, in and of itself, Mia was fine. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. But it led us to have a two-day conversation about some other things that probably people are going to find more interesting. Well, I don't know. This uh, conspiracy theories and stuff like that can be very interesting. That's true. But we don't really have the knowledge and probably audience to discuss the conspiracy theory in well, depth well i mean haven't you in your past yeah but that was years ago well okay what are we talking about here greg what movie jfk from 1991 correct it's a rated r movie they call it a thriller slash mystery and you and i were just talking about whether or not we agree with that categorization for lack of a better word correct I think political, historical thriller or historical drama might be a better idea. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe the reason they didn't put historical into the thing is that some of this is more conspiracy theory based than actually knowing truth. Who knows what the truth is? That's the whole point of the movie. And, right, we may never know the truth. So, this movie is rated R. Yep. Well over three hours long. We've got the IMDb rating, which is an 8 out of 10. Then Rotten Tomatoes gives it an 84. And then there's a Metacritic, which gives it a 72%. Never heard of them. Huh, I never heard of Metacritic before. Well, interesting. So, what... I'm excited about getting to the other things. Anyhow, <laughs> Kevin Costner plays Jim Garrison. Correct. Who is a district attorney in New Orleans, Louisiana, who is hot on the trail of figuring out who it is who actually killed President Kennedy, not who the corrupt Warren report has informed us has killed President Kennedy. Well, you, you're calling it corrupt, huh? The fix is in. Okay, well, you knew nothing about any of this. Correct. Including the fact, I was surprised to learn, that Lee Harvey Oswald, who is 
the supposed assassin. I think I can call bullshit yes. on that one. Do you feel the same yes, way? Yes, I feel the same. But you weren't aware that he himself was murdered just a couple days after the president. Correct. Correct. So you knew like nothing about this other than that President Kennedy had been assassinated at some point. Correct. Correct. Okay. So Jim Garrison was this is based on a true story. I have read his book. I can't think what the heck the name of the book is. Let's look that up. On the Trail of the Assassins by Jim Garrison. So that's one of the two books that this book that this movie was based on. The other one is called Crossfire. The Plot That Killed Kennedy by Jim Mars. I've never heard of that book, but I did read the Jim Garrison book. Who else was in this movie? There were some, this was like a who's who. who. Exactly, who's who. Not a lot of uh, famous women. No. But there's a lot of famous men in this. Of course, we start off with Kevin Costner. He's playing Jim Garrison. But then you got Gary Oldman. Who is famous for being serious black in the Harry Potter movies. Then you got Tommy Lee Jones. Who's famous for being a man in black. And then John Candy. John Candy. I don't know if he's done anything else serious. This, now I did see JFK back in the day. I was shocked to see that John Candy was in this. I had forgotten all about it. And this morning I asked my sister, because I know she and I had watched it together, and she also forgot that John Candy was in this movie. All right. And then Donald, Donald Sutherland. Who was now famous for being President Snow in the Hunger Games movies. Correct. Not the newest one. That was a prequel, but the other the other four. Uh, we've got... Joe Pesci. Yeah. From My Cousin Vinny, amongst other things, Goodfellas, Lethal Weapon 2. And then Kevin Bacon was in this. Walter Matthau was in it. Ed Asner was in it. Jack Lemmon was in it. Those were some classic guys. And then for women, we have Lori Metcalf. I believe she was in uh, Roseanne. And Sissy Spacek are the two main women who are um, in this movie. So Sissy Spacek looked amazing. That's some of the... Oh, Oh, Newman! (laughs) Wayne Knight was in here. Newman. How could we forget? I forgot about him. And Brian Doyle Murray, Bill Murray's brother, also was in here. So, man, we could just keep on going as we scroll through this cast list. This is Vincent D'Onofrio. Heck, they even threw in a credit to Martin Luther King Jr. because they showed his assassination. They gave a credit, I think, to... Yeah, some of the actual players here. So Robert McNamara got one. Malcolm Malcolm X. X. uh, Probably President Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy. They used actual footage of them. Correct. Walter Cronkite, Jimmy Hoffa. So they they gave credit to all sorts of people. But of the people that I think people would be most likely to know, we're going to go with these kind of top two. Top two lists here. Let's just whip on through this. First of all, I know I I kind of asked you already. Do you think that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone based upon this movie? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's a hell no. (laughs) But of course, is stuff, everything from this movie accurate? So, I mean, it's based on certain people's 
takes on what happened and everything. So, who knows? And we may never know. Who knows what the truth is, but I feel like the truth is not what is in the pages of the Warren Report. Now, when this film was made in 1991, there is like a, here's what happened to these guys afterwards, postscript to the movie. And they did say that a lot of the documents are going to be unsealed in 2029. Now, I imagine in 1991, that seemed like it was never going to get here. But here we are sitting in 2024. Right. And I have to say that in five years, when those things open up, people are going to be all over it. People want the truth about this. Well, I hope we're still doing uh, casts at that point, Kate. Maybe we can do an update to this one. Yeah, who knows? So anyway, I did want to mention that as well. So I also don't happen to think that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. There was a period in my life where I was very invested in this whole thing, and I read up on a lot of it. Much of it makes no sense whatsoever. I think that it's plausible what was presented in this movie. Right. There are a lot of conspiracies, conspiracy theories out there as to what happened. We we will probably never know, truthfully. But it's an interesting conversation to have. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get into the film here a little bit. Did we finish JFK? Yes, we did. And we finished it in one sitting, despite the fact that there was some weather conspiring against us. Right, our internet went out briefly, and because uh, the storm, and uh, but we got it back within I don't know, it was less than five minutes. Yeah, so we were able to continue happily. We've talked about what the film is about a little bit. So apart from the conspiracy, um, Jim Garrison is basically investigating what happened. He's getting a lot of tips from people. He's asking a lot of questions. His family is under threat. We're led to believe that there are some very powerful people in inside and outside of government who really don't want the truth known as to what happened. So the basic idea, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, I'm taking the lead on this because you have a lot you're going to be saying later. Okay. So I'm just letting you know. I know I'm talking a lot, everybody, but Greg's going to be on the hot seat here shortly. Well, I wanted to add just one little thing before we go further. One of the other things that we find out about Jim Garrison is that he's invested so much into this that he's alienating his wife and kids a little bit. Yes. In the whole thing. But the basic plot that they have seemingly uncovered is that um, you know the Bay of Pigs invasion didn't go very well President Kennedy is trying to find ways to cool the Cold War with the Soviet Union he doesn't want to be involved in this massive buildup of weaponry and arms and continuing hostility and as the conflict within Vietnam before we were involved is heating up he also does not want to purportedly we don't know send troops into vietnam however there is a lot of money at stake for military contractors the pentagon the cia etc who very much would love 
for the United States to build up its military-industrial complex. And Kennedy is getting in the way of all of that. And so this sort of somehow cast of characters in, inside and outside of New Orleans is enlisted to kill the president. Does that seem about right? That seems about right. Some of them are mobsters. Some of them are, you know, Tommy Lee Jones plays a, a very well, a very prominent New Orleans businessman. Um, and eventually he's the one that gets put on trial for his part in it. He is acquitted. I don't think that's really a, a spoiler because nobody else other than Lee Harvey Oswald ever bore any blame slash responsibility for this act but it does turn out later that he was in fact working for the cia during this entire thing correct and another sort of underlying part of this was the homosexuality yes so there was a bunch of like gay orgies going on within new orleans at the time involving many of these people the tommy lee jones character the joe pesci character the kevin bacon character and the CIA had a lot of dirt on these guys because this was the 60s. It was not today where these things are socially acceptable. Right. And they could have very easily ruined these men's lives if they had wanted to. Well, Kevin Bacon's life was basically destroyed. But the other guy, Tommy Lee Jones especially, he didn't want the word out about what he was getting up to in his personal time. Right. So, okay. How was Kevin as Jim Garrison. I think after seeing a picture of Jim Garrison and seeing Kevin Costner, they don't really look the same. Yeah. But, but that's where I would say the, com- the comparison only has issues, in my view. I think that Kevin Costner did a stupendous job, especially with the courtroom scene and his, yeah. his, the whole thing there. The last maybe half hour of the movie, when he's presenting his closing arguments, right. is probably, I would agree with you, Greg, the best acting we've seen out of him so far, in my opinion. You may have a different opinion. We've seen some good acting out of him. Right. But I, I mean, I would say that the, that was up there with a lot of his acting in, like, Field of Dreams, that type of stuff where he was really doing great work as well. Yeah. In fact, I mentioned to you while we were watching it that, in my opinion, he should have won an Academy Award for this role. So were there any actual Academy Awards for this movie? I do not believe so. Let's have a look. It was nominated for eight Academy Awards. This is via Wikipedia, by the way, including Best Picture, and it won two for Best Cinematography and Best Film Editing. Film editing. And it was the first of three movies that Oliver Stone made about the American presidents. Roger Ebert of Siskel and Ebert made this one of the top ten films of the decade. And his cohort, Gene Siskel, ranked it the seventh best, seventh best film of 1991. And interesting, Harry Connick Sr., we all know who Harry Connick Jr. is, but Harry Connick Sr. was a New Orleans district attorney who defeated Jim Garrison in 1973. So that's kind of fun. Okay, Academy Awards. 
Tommy Lee Jones received a nomination, but somehow Kevin Costner did not. And I really don't understand that. He did get nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Actor. So I guess that's something. But truthfully, the range he displayed in this. Now, we are focused on him and his performances in all of these movies that we watch. But I have to be honest with you and say that there were times during my viewing of JFK last night that I forgot I was watching Kevin Costner. He was so good. Oh, it, he was so good that you felt like you were watching like I was just, Jim Garrison instead yes, of Kevin. I was sucked into it. I forgot all about what we were even doing at times because it was just so... I thought he was outstanding. In I agree with you. I didn't really realize or think of it that way that I wasn't, I wasn't viewing Kevin Costner anymore. I was viewing Jim Garrison, but... But I totally can see how you could have. I feel like a lot of times when we're watching any of these, even recently, let's say Robin Hood, I was watching Kevin Costner be Robin Hood. Right. For probably all of it, frankly. But this was so good and so powerful that I just watched it. I didn't even worry about what what am I going to say on the podcast or what, what do I think about this. Right, I right. just watched this movie. It was great. Very good. Absolutely. Did it make you feel some kind of way, Greg? I guess you can say yes. I, it did. Going into this movie, not having any real background about JFK's assassination or anything like that, it it sort of blew me away because I didn't, I didn't have a concept going into it of what had happened and everything. I mean, it really, it, it surprised me when, of course, seeing Oswald get gunned down as yeah, well. Yeah, you were surprised, because when, when he came around the corner in the police station, I was like, well, this is about to go badly, and you were like, what do you mean? And I was right. like, and I hit pause, and I was like, don't you know what's going to happen? And I was like, no. <laughs> so, yes, I mean, it definitely surprised me, and it just sort of, like, it made me really think what have i been missing what did i not know about <laughs> besides stuff about jfk and just sort of like because i've never in my life really focused on like anything remotely close to like conspiracy theories stuff like that can we call this a conspiracy theory isn't there like a you know like the moon landing being a hoax it sounds like a crackpot thing or the earth being flat or something like that but is this really, I guess it's a conspiracy theory in that we don't know who was involved. So there's like a lot of players involved. But right, right. So we, that's sort of like they put out on film what their take on it was, who they thought the players were. To me, anymore, the term conspiracy theory, what with QAnon and all of that, I feel like there's a bad rap around that term and this legitimately i think there's something behind this i don't want to get too deep down the rabbit hole but i don't think it takes a rocket scientist to realize that one bullet didn't cause seven wounds and emerge pristinely from two different bodies i I absolutely realized that when we were watching you didn't even have to point it out to me even 
even though you had already yeah. understood that going into the movie. So can we call it something other than a conspiracy theory? Can we invent a new term for something that has some legitimacy? I don't know. we got to think about that. We're not going to come up with it on the spur no, of the moment. I don't but think so. I think we should think about that. All right. So did... so. I felt some kind of way watching it. I right. felt a lot of anger. I felt a lot of sadness. It was the okay. end of... Where, where's the anger? What angered you? Because I, I didn't really feel anger, so to speak. I just sort of was in awe of the situation. What's? I think a lot of the things that they were talking about and a lot of the things that they said were really things that I have talked about and said with friends about politics in 2017, 2018, 2019, etc. This was sort of the beginning of the end of the ideal period in American history, that post-war boom. And, you know, you think of what the 50s was and what the Kennedys represented was like this young, hopeful, youthful, beautiful vision of the future. And it was annihilated for money and power if we believe this theory and you like hear them talking about like particularly the part with Donald Sutherland showing up out of the blue at the Lincoln Memorial and right. them having that conversation I it was infuriating I thought just like with no thought as to anything other than enrichment and power mm. and that's what we're dealing with today 50 60 60 years later right right exactly it, it's so upsetting and and we haven't learned anything in the yeah, that time, it seems. Literally some of the lines they said in this movie, which theoretically was set in the 60s, I found very relevant to the situation in which we find ourselves today. Yeah. So that's why I felt angry. Right. The problems going on today can't be attributed just to one person. We can always say there's a certain person out there that is to blame, but it's a combination of the way we've done stuff for years yeah that has made it worse and then we end up with as you mentioned like groups like QAnon and that that stuff which is like spewing out stuff that is just like so bonkers off the wall type stuff yeah there's no shred of evidence that Democrats are eating babies in the back of a pizza parlor in in Washington D.C. Oh yeah, and they even have Please. mentioned like people like Tom Hanks yeah. in particular <laughs> or something. I, uh, yeah. So what? Whatever. Okay, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Right. If we have any QAnon listeners, you know, we come in peace. But you guys are wacky. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you would watch JFK again? Are you interested in the subject or maybe some other JFK-related materials? I don't think that I would need to necessarily watch the movie again. I mean, it it was great. Don't get me wrong. But I think that I got what I needed out of it, so to speak, understanding what transpired and what the possibilities of stuff that might have happened in certain ways and everything. I think that if I were to really go down the quote-unquote rabbit hole to try and discover what really happened, I think that it pushed me the right direction to to look. But 
I don't think I need to watch it again. But I think that, as Kate was saying, and I was saying that, that it, a lot of what was happening in this movie sort of, you still see it in government today that just are similar. I think if I were quote unquote flipping through the channels and I saw that it was on and I had nothing better to watch, I would watch it again. Okay. I don't know that I would pay again to rent it or necessarily go through the hassle of sitting through another three hour right. movie. Exactly. But I would watch it again if that was what was on TV. Right. Stuck on an airline flight, and that's one of the few movies you can watch. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Well, with that being said, what are you going to rate it? Zero to ten. Well, one to ten, because we finished it. Right, one to ten. I'm not sure I could call it a ten, but I think that out of the movies that Kevin Costner has done so far that we've gone through, I would list this in the great category. I mean, the 8 to 10 range, I'm just not sure exactly what number to give it. I can't put my finger on why to not make it a 10. Maybe Kate can help me figure that out. I have been kind of waffling in my head all day as to whether I'm going to give it a 9 or a 10. Oh. I thought it was better than Dances with Wolves. Maybe that's sacrilege, but I thought it was better than Dances with Wolves. The other movies that we gave a 10 to, I think, were Testament. It was at least as good as Testament, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I think Field of Dreams we gave a 10 to. Is it that good? I mean, the supporting cast was excellent. Yeah, I mean, as we said, sort of who's who of men actors in in that time frame. Yeah. It would be interesting. It's too bad they weren't made at the same time, but we're going to be watching the movie 13 Days coming up, which is about the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I will be very curious to see. That was pre-assassination, kind of how that maybe fit in now that we've seen JFK. And that was a big part of supposedly why he was assassinated. Right, right. I mean, any quibbles I have with it are minor. I think would have been nice to have more women in this movie. But the fact of the matter is, in the 60s, they were mainly secretaries and floozies, as they seemed to be portrayed. There were a couple, there was like a stripper and a drug addict, and they were not given a lot of attention. And the woman in the red raincoat on Dealey Plaza, she wasn't paid much attention to. And then he had that one woman attorney or paralegal helping him out and his wife and that was basically it right um all the housekeeper yeah and i think part of it and of course product of the times that women weren't allowed to really say bad words mm-hmm. they were called out on it while the guys they could say it all day and it, it didn't seem to matter yeah they, said, they were having kind of a big meeting around the, t- the conference room table and one of the women said a swear word and Jim Garrison was like, hey, knock that off. And then like 30 seconds later, one of the men said the word bullshit and he, he just let it go. Right. So I guess that's a, a minor... And that's not a reflection on the movie. <clears throat> As I said, it, it, it was just sort of a, a product of the times. Mm-hmm. The hell with it, Greg. I'm giving it a 10. 
Ooh. I thought it was fantastic. Okay. I really thought everybody who was in it. Kevin Bacon, amazing. Donald Sutherland, my jaw was on the floor. Seeing John Candy in a in a drama and he pulled it off, I was just like, this movie has got it all. The subject matter was fascinating. Kevin, top of his game. I don't think we're going to see him act any better than this. And uh, so I'm giving it a 10. Got it. Wow. Um, Going into this movie, I had no real preconceived notions about what to expect and everything. And as I said, it did sort of blow me away with everything. Thinking back when we gave Testament a 10, this is definitely on that level. And I mean, in some ways, I even think that there were a little things with testament more than with this that i was on the edge about i mean i think that this movie just it it was great i'm going to agree with you kate that it's a 10 i guess that's what we have to say so yeah way to go way to go oliver stone way to go cast and crew of jfk yes i'm surprised i didn't go into it expecting that i was going to think it was so great but here we are now Speaking of John Candy, Gregory. Yeah. Okay, folks, we've been at this for, you know, the better part of a half an hour. So if you don't want to hear us bantering about our marriage, you can check out and you won't miss a darn thing about Kevin Costner from here out. I'm going to set the scene for you. Last night, we had no one else in the house but ourselves. Now, typically, as you know, our exchange student is home. She was at a slumber party last night. And so we're sitting around. We got some nice Indian takeout. We're debating, like, what are we going to do? We got the whole evening to ourselves. So, of course, we're going to watch JFK. What else is there to do? Right. Right? And we're watching, and John Candy comes on the screen, and Greg's like, it's the guy from the... Right? Right. And I was like, it's John Candy. And in November, we did sit down at Thanksgiving and watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. So Greg knew John Candy's face. Now, Greg is not the best with names, so we're going to forgive that. Thank you. (laughs) Um, However, an interesting picture emerged of Greg not knowing who the heck John Candy even was until he met me. Yep. Not only John Candy. Greg didn't know who Steve Martin was until we watched Only Murders in the Building. That is correct. You you must have known Kevin Bacon. I knew of him from Footloose stuff yeah um and that my sister had a uh the tape of the stuff from footloose anyway it seems that greg sat most of the 80s and 90s out of the movie scene now i find this shocking because although i was mostly a reader and i was very active in clubs and things at school i really enjoy watching movies And I really, really enjoy 
learning about the people who are in movies. Like, I'm always saying, hey, you know, that guy was in this movie or whatever, right? Like last night, that guy was Sirius Black or whatever. Right, right. And I know a lot about who's done what. And I know that that is also a uniquely American thing. I know people from other countries, they don't typically pay any attention. But I always sit through the credits when we go to the movies. And I'm just interested in that. Right. But I just thought that Greg wasn't really interested in it to the extent that I was interested in it. And come to find out, it's not even a lack of interest. It's a lack of exposure slash knowledge. Greg, lean into the microphone and tell the people how it is you didn't know who Steve Martin is. Well, growing up, I didn't really watch movies much in my early years. I didn't really start watching movies until I was out of college and I started building up a DVD collection. and Which I have now destroyed for you. Well, that's fine. I, I, I had watched those to my heart's content, but <laughs> uh, you didn't really destroy it. I mean, we moved a few times. It had to be, we had to lose some stuff, but that's beyond the, uh, the point here. So, I mean, growing up, I didn't, I didn't really f- have an interest in knowing famous people and everything like that. I was focused on trying to, I guess, in no sort of terms, just sort of survive because of, I don't know, I because of my disabilities when I was younger and that I struggled all through elementary, middle school, high school, basically until I got to college, and I still have issues. So I want to make clear that I'm not shaming you about this. And I understand. And we did have that discussion, too, because at one point it felt like, to you, I was shaming you about not knowing these things. I am not. Right. And I want to make clear to all anyone listening that I... There's no shame ascribed to this. Right. But as I said to you last night, I feel like I have married an Amish person. (laughs) Because I don't know how... I don't know how somebody like Steve Martin didn't pierce the veil for you in the 80s. I find that riveting. If it had, it was not to the extent that it kept in my knowledge that I've brought forward. And I wanted to explain to our listeners also why I felt a little bit attacked when Kate and I were discussing, just because I was teased, I was beat up a lot when I was in elementary school, middle school, through high school, and I still have a lot of underlying stresses, apparently, that get triggered. Yeah. When certain things are said. And it's nothing on Kate. She didn't mean to, and I understand that. And we had a lengthy discussion related to that. I think it's safe to say that we both grew up in households where we we both had very intelligent parents. Yeah. And I think probably it is safe to say that in either household, as adults have to do, they let off steam in different ways. 
right? Like, mm-hmm. so how we spent our leisure time growing up is very different. Absolutely. Yes. So in my household, there was a lot of emphasis on comedy. Okay, so my dad loves Mel Brooks movies. We grew up watching the A-Team. Comedy was kind of king in our household. Now, my mother could have cared. She could not have cared less about watching movies. That really wasn't her thing. Right. Her thing was reading and volunteer work and that sort of thing. But she was also primarily a stay-at-home parent. So getting out of the house, I think, was of bigger importance to her. Whereas my dad and both your parents worked outside of the home. Right. Um, And so they were probably happy to get home and kick their feet up a little bit. Yeah, probably. The household I grew up in, both my parents were librarians. It was very, we used a lot of big words, so to speak. And (laughs) I, I learned to use big words, even though I struggled at reading. I learned the definitions of these bigger words, even some of them before I was really able to read properly, that type of thing. I mean, a lot of what we did, I mean, we played games, we we watched uh, some TV shows, more things like Poirot and Agatha Christie, that type of stuff. Um, I watched Sci-Fi Channel, not really. Nothing related to comedy like Kate experienced. So we're very different in that respect. And our parents' hobbies, I think, also were very different. Absolutely. Um, from what I can gather from your, even your hobbies as an adult, right? Like mm-hmm. bird watching and playing chess and kind of more serious pursuits. Right. I don't really remember those types of things. Not that we were dumb. I mean, I played Scrabble and chess with my dad and right. we, you know, went to the library every week and stuff. It's not that. It's just that that wasn't, our brains got a rest more during our leisure time. We weren't pursuing things more seriously. Right. And of course, for myself, and it was a little, it was difficult being in a household where both my parents were librarians and my sister was great at academics and everything, where I struggled. Anything word-based or having to think on something and then, like, repeat it back or, like, word games like Scrabble or timed word games, I avoided those things like the plague (laughs) because they just stressed me the hell out uh, because of how much I struggled with that. And to an extent, they still do. Yes. There are certain games we don't play and things we don't do just because it does stress you out and there's no point in doing that when we want to have fun together. Right. And one of the things growing up that, um, that me and my mom did you might remember the game Boggle. Mm-hmm. You know how it's a timed game. Well, me and my mom would just do it without the time. Mm-hmm. See how many we could come up with and not care about the time limit. So that that's some things that sort of helped me when I was, I was younger, even though I struggled with the, the language of it all and the processing from up in my brain down to physically writing or or reading so bringing this back around full circle to the kevin costner project and watching these movies and other movies that we've been watching yeah does my hobby about this seem silly to you no 
Does it seem surprising to you? Well, which hobby are we talking well, about like here? Well, like my interest in knowing who's who and what's what in terms of actors and movies. And and I'm, I'm going to say this, too. Sorry, now that I've asked you that question. But <laughs> Hollywood is passing me by because I don't really care about the young people coming up all that much. Okay. So anyway, go ahead. Well, because we are together... I have begun to, I can't say I'll, I love that type of stuff, but it interests me more than it used to. I mean, before I could, couldn't have cared less. Couldn't have cared less, but you have opened up another world for me, which I really didn't imagine that I would ever get into <laughs> before I met you. Well, that's how I felt sitting on that cruise watching the birds. Okay. I didn't think that that was a thing that I would find interest, and, but I do. And don't get me wrong, I, I realized that when I was like, wait a minute, she, she's having some interest in the birds? <laughs> nice, thank you. Yeah. And I imagine you feel the same way, sort of knowing that I I have gradually gotten an interest in in this type of stuff. It is nice when we can find some sort of intersection. I don't think that I'm probably... I, I was thinking about it today because before we started recording, you were working on your bird list of all the birds you've seen in your life. Right, right. I was putting down the ones we saw on the cruise, and and now I'm up to 398 birds that I've seen in different species that I've seen in my whole life. Yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to do that. But I know who the hell John Candy is. <laughs> <laughs> and part of the reason that I, I did start the life list was because my dad did. Mm-hmm. My dad had that list, and I felt like, ooh, that's a good thing to do. I mean, if I'm into birding because of growing up with it, I should have it. I think it's it's a good keepsake. It gives me memories, especially of uh, doing stuff with my dad. It, it, it makes me feel a little bit of pinging of uh, yeah, the past. So if anybody out there is listening. Now, I have asked Greg a few different people that I think he should know. Now, obviously, there are people like George Clooney that he's going to know because I have a hot crush on George Clooney. He yes. knows Kevin Costner. We know he knows Emma Stone. So they're like people you do know. Right. But the fact that you didn't know Steve Martin and John Candy really blows my brain. No pun intended, given that we watch JFK. But if there are other actors or actresses from this time period that we think Greg should know about, drop us a comment. I think it would be interesting to see, does Greg know whoever it might be? You tended to watch more television than movies, so I think we should make it fair for people. Right, right. Yeah. There were a number of TV shows that I watched a lot of, and I may not have known the actors or actresses' names, but I watched all of Charmed. I, I watched Kate mentioned A Team. I did watch a little bit in that, but I mean things like Knight Rider, Xena, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of stuff like that, along with as I mentioned before, so those the murder mystery stuff like Agatha Christie stuff and you're a baseball guy correct so, so you I were probably I, watching baseball games right so I exactly and I do know 
baseball players a little more and that, than that because I've been really into baseball since 86, roughly. Anyway, I just thought that was a very interesting thing that came out of all of this. And we had a lot of conversations. I mean, probably four or five hours of conversations about yeah. this last night and today. And I look forward to uh, training you on some of the great comedic actors of, oh, that's who? We talked about Ghostbusters, and you didn't really know who Dan Aykroyd was. Well, I mean, besides Ghostbusters, right, I knew that he was in that. And Did you know Bill Murray? Yeah, but that's from Ghostbusters again. I didn't Other than re- that, you didn't know who Bill Murray right. was. Right, and, and, the, and the main reason, folks, that I knew a little bit about Ghostbusters was growing up, we had some travelers that were staying with us, and they happened to actually go into New York City when they were actually filming Ghostbusters. And that sort of stuck in my mind. And my knowledge of those actors came from that. But not before and probably not afterward. Right. I, I didn't... Did I, you see the movie? And I'm tr- I can't remember exactly when I actually saw that first Ghostbusters movie. It may have been later, either when I was in high school or after high school. Yeah. That I actually saw it. I mean, I think as I said to you, Kate, really, I started building that collection. Or I think I mentioned it on this already, that I started building that collection of DVDs, everything, after college. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. Not even Ghostbusters, really. Only in passing. Okay. Well, anything else to tell the people about... JFK, Kevin Costner, actors and actresses growing up in New Jersey, Amish. And folks, I'm not really Amish. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I just, I find you fascinating, Greg. I'm so glad I stumbled upon you or you stumbled upon me <laughs> because you are the most interesting person. Yeah. And I hope you take that in the spirit that I intend it to be. Absolutely. And one of my last things that I want to to say to folks, and I don't really know who all you are that are listening to our podcasts, but I want to just reiterate that I'm living proof that you can struggle mightily, mightily when early in life you can have wires crossed in your head and work around it and still succeed. And if any of you want to message me and I, I'm willing to, to message back about my trials and tribulations of how I, what happened with me and how I succeeded, because I think that other people that were in my situation should hear that you can survive i mean the, and thrive and thrive yes exactly exactly good point i mean one of the main things that i remember from growing up and that my parents told me later on was that the people at the school told my parents we think that he should go to a special school and my parents said no and i mean I thank my parents to this day because I would not be here like this, folks, if my parents hadn't told them that he's staying in regular public school. They didn't want me ending up just retreading tires. 
Yeah, they did a great job. You're exactly. a great human being. My parents listened to this, or my mom at least. You did a great job. Don't think you didn't. Absolutely. And that's what I tried to impress on Greg last night. It's not that it was weird or anything like that. It's just different. And we're coming to terms with the fact that five years in, how different we are, how different backgrounds we came from, but it still works. Exactly. And I think we might be a good case of opposites attract. Yep. But we had a lot of similarities, too. I mean, (laughs) um, but, uh, of course, other little things here and there. So if anybody does want to get in touch with you, Greg, they could email us. Correct. October10productions at gmail.com. That's the number 10. You can send a message to our Facebook page if you just look up the Kevin Costner Project on Facebook and you can send us a little private message and Greg will get it. Yep, and I'll respond as as soon as I can when yeah. I see them. So, as you might imagine, it might take a little while for him to compose an email that he in- thinks is worthy of sending. He's his own worst critic, I'll tell you that. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> okay. um, but, yeah, drop us a line. And um, what are we watching next time, Greg? If I'm not mistaken, we're about to see some Whitney Houston. Yep. The bodyguard. The bodyguard. Kevin is going to protect Whitney Houston from a deranged fan. And he is also a producer in that one. Mm, Very good. He was also a producer of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I didn't know that. All right. So it's bodyguard, then a perfect world. Which, if any of you follow Kevin Costner on Instagram, he just posted some stills from a perfect world maybe in december so it wouldn't be that hard to find them and he had some nice things to say about clint eastwood in that post so check that out all right well see you then greg all right till next time bye bye the kevin costner project is produced by october 10 productions our theme music is happy acoustic guitar background music by music unlimited via pixabay.com Audio clips included under fair use policies in our best accordance with U.S. copyright law. You can find us online at thekevincostnerproject.com or by searching Facebook, Instagram, Twitter X, or TikTok for The Kevin Costner Project. This podcast is not endorsed by Kevin Costner or his agents yet.